Genesis chapter 50. Uh, this is the word of the living God. When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, It may be that Joseph will hate us and pay us back for all the evil that we did to him. So they sent a message to Joseph saying, Your father gave this command before he died. Say to Joseph, Please forgive the transgression of your brothers and their sins because they did evil to you. And now, please forgive the transgression of the servants of the God of your father. Joseph wept when they spoke to him. His brothers also came and fell down before him and said, Behold, we are your servants. But Joseph said to them, Do not fear, for am I in the place of God? As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good, to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. So do not fear. I will provide for you and for your little ones. Thus he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. And then from Galatians 5, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. This is the word of the Lord. Let's ask God's blessing on our time as we consider it. Uh, Father, thank you um, for your word. We... um, whether we realize it or not, we walk around in darkness and we're in desperate need of light. And we're grateful that you give us that light in Jesus and you give us that light in your word written. And Lord, your word's been read and that is all we need. It's more than we deserve. Uh, Yet, because you're kind, would you be with us as we consider your word together? Lord, show us Jesus and teach us um, uh, how to walk with him and how to walk in step with your spirit. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So, uh, in another great tragedy of Grammy-ness, Beyonce was passed over again for Grammy, um, which to me only further emphasizes the fact that none of us are worthy of Beyonce, either as individuals or collectively as a nation. Um, But even people close to Beyonce don't appreciate Beyonce. In, in 99, Jay-Z, Mr. Beyonce Knowles, um, did a song called Big Pimpin', which I will not use all the words because they are pretty serious. Um, but he has, a, he has a line, and he says, uh, Heart cold as assassins, I got no passion, I got no patience, and I hate waiting. I know Charlie's going to know that line. Um, <laughs> he has no patience, and he hates waiting. And right before, the, to, to sort of magnify that, right before that he said, me give my heart to a woman, not for nothing, never happen. I'll be forever mackin', right? And uh, see, Jay-Z obviously is impatient and could not see what was laying ahead of him in his life, which was the queen bee herself. Uh, he did give his heart to a woman, okay? The right woman. And... Um, we all say things that um, turn out to sound stupid in retrospect because we didn't know what was going to happen, right? And because we were impatient. And we thought that things, the way that things are now is the way things always will be. Um, we are impatient people. And if you're a believer in Jesus tonight, then God right now in this moment is making you more and more like Jesus, okay? Um, another way to, to describe that is, is he is creating in you what's called the fruit of the Spirit, which we read, love, joy, peace, patience, and all those things. And it's kind of like in Harry Potter, um, 
Polyjuice Potion, right? Are we familiar with Polyjuice Potion? If you, if you haven't read Harry Potter yet, again, get on it. Um, Polyjuice Potion is a potion you take and you put a little piece of someone's hair or whatever, and when you drink it, so like Harry and Ron drink it, they take crab and goyle, and they begin to transform, right? They begin to look like crab and goyle, which is apparently not nearly as attractive as Harry and Ron Weasley. Um, and in a similar way, when Jesus comes um, to take up residence in someone's heart, it is inevitable that we, become, we begin to look like him moment by moment and day by day. And that means that we become patient. Because the last couple of weeks we looked at love and joy and peace. And tonight we're going to look at patience. And what patience means, just at a word level in this Galatians passage that we read second, if you have a different translation, it might say long-suffering. And that's a really good way to translate that word because the word written in Greek is actually long-anger. It doesn't mean that you have anger for long. It actually means that you can go a long time before your anger sort of explodes. When I was in high school, we were really stupid, and we would buy, like, those small bottle rockets that were just like a firecracker at the top, okay? And then we would trim the wicks so they were, like, almost not even there with nail clippers so that we could light them and throw them at each other. That was what we did. Because I'm from Peach County, Georgia, and these are just how things go in Peach County, Georgia. It was really stupid. But... That, uh, that image of that short-wicked bottle rocket is an image of what it looks like to be impatient. It does not take long for you to explode. And for us to have patience, it means that we are able to endure discomfort and pain um, and annoyance for a long time before we sort of pop off and explode. And patience is the first of the fruit of the Spirit that really only can happen when things are bad for you. Like, you can have love or joy or peace when things are going good, and you can have love and joy and peace when things are going bad. But you really, to have patience means that things are not ideal for you, that things are going poorly for you. You can only have patience when you're annoyed or uncomfortable or in pain. And what I want to do tonight is I want to look at three ways that we typically are impatient and then see how God can lead us into some patience. And the three ways I think we tend to be the most impatient are we're impatient with God, his timing and his plan. We're impatient with other people. And we're impatient with ourselves. And uh, the Joseph story here, it's kind of weird to, to pick it up in the middle of a story that's, that's like 15 chapters long in the book of Genesis. But the story of Joseph is one of the greatest stories of patience that you'll ever find. Joseph led a really challenging life. Um, some of you may be the favorite like, sibling or child in your family. And the rest of you hate the favorite child in your family. A lot of people nodded. Very few people, I don't know if they would say they're the favorite. But um, Joseph was the favorite sibling. He had a bunch of brothers. And his dad made no apology about the fact that he was the favorite. He gave him a special coat. that was made of, I like to think of it as like a starter jacket um, of many colors to show that he was his, his favorite. And on top of that, Joseph would have these dreams that he would share with his brothers. And he would say, I had a dream that one day all of you were going to bow down to me and worship me, okay? which didn't make his uh, popularity with his brothers any better. So what they did, and maybe if you come from a large family, this will sound familiar to you, they literally took him into the desert and threw him into a pit <laughs> that he could not crawl out of, and they were going to leave him there to die. Um, and then some guys came walking by that were traitors, and they said, oh, we won't kill him. We can't make any money that way. We will sell him to these people as a slave, right? And so they sell him to these guys, and he gets sold into Egypt as a slave. They tell his father that he's dead. And once he gets to Egypt, he's working in someone's house, and the guy's wife comes on to him, 
He refuses her, and she accuses him of falsely of sexually assaulting her, and he ends up in prison for years. Okay, A very challenging story um, for Joseph. And the question that Joseph had to be asking all along the way was, and maybe this sounds familiar to you, and I, w- I was really resonating with what Robert was saying, um, the question he had to be asking was, God, why is this happening to me? Why is this my life? Why am I going through the things that I am going through? And that's the question that we tend to ask when we are uncomfortable or in pain or annoyed. Why do I look like this? Why do I feel like this? Why my family? Why do we have to go through this? Um, why this pain? Um, and I think if we're honest, we say, like, God, if you are in control... Your plan doesn't look very good. Like, it just doesn't look very smart. It doesn't look very helpful. And something amazing happens to to Joseph while he's in prison. As he's got to be asking these questions, sitting in prison for years, word gets out of his, remember his dreams? He's really good at interpreting dreams. I don't know if that's any of you guys' gift. That'd be cool, because I had a super weird dream last night. That's a true story, and I'll talk to you about it later. Um, (laughs) He has a talent for dreams. And Pharaoh, who's the ruler of Egypt, um, is having these weird dreams. And Joseph comes in, he's able to interpret his dreams for him, right? He says, look, in your dreams, what's happening is there's going to be seven years of this bumper crop, and then there's going to be seven years of famine. So what you need to do is save up food during those seven years, right? And he's right. And he becomes basically the prime minister of Egypt, right? Started from the bottom, and now he's there. Um, but not the whole team, just him. Because the, uh, the rest of the team is back home thinking that he's dead. And... Um, and toward the, toward the, in Genesis 45, his brothers, there's a famine in the land, there's a couple years into the famine, and his brothers come to Egypt looking for food, okay? The ones that sold him into slavery and told their dad that he was dead, okay? And the most amazing thing happens, which is when he realizes that those are his brothers, he weeps, he is kind to them, he is gentle with them, he treats them with absolutely no resentment. But when his father dies, his brothers go, he was probably only being nice to us because our dad was still alive and he didn't want to make a fuss in front of dad. And so they come to him and that's where our passage is. They, they lie to him. They say, hey, our father told you not to be mean to us. So it's like they're still lying to him and being awful to him. But look at what he says to them in verse 19. This is where we're really going to dig down. But Joseph said to them, do not fear, for am I in the place of God? As for you, listen, don't let this pass you by. As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. He doesn't say, look, guys, it all worked out. I'm good, so we'll fine. We'll just forget about it, right? He doesn't say, well, actually, you know, you were just bit players, right? He doesn't say it all, it all worked out. He doesn't say it's not a big deal. Don't worry about it. What he says is you intended evil for me. And Likewise, along with that intention, God intended it for good. He realized that people intend things, and God also intends things that run alongside of them and actually supersede those things. And God is actually able to, to without disrupting our intentions, use them and intend them for good, right? Like, if you've ever seen that video of the kid in, like, the cozy coop going down the hill, have you seen this? It's on all the, like, the dad awesome dad's videos, which I probably just watch and you don't, but um, this kid's going down the hill in the cozy coop and it's picking up speed and it's like his two-year-old sister is like walking down there and he's going to nail this two-year-old kid and like probably just, just completely 
obliterate this kid. And the dad runs along. It's like amazing. Like it's super speed along the side and he picks the kid up at the last minute. As that cozy coop is intending itself down the hill, the father intends itself right along with it and supersedes what happens. And that God is able to do that. And what's absolutely fundamental to growing in patience is accepting that God has intentions that we cannot usually see. That God is intending things, that he means things to happen that we are not usually aware of, and they run right along the intentions of other things. Um, Abraham Lincoln had a favorite son. His name was Willie, and uh, he died when he was 11 from typhoid. This is when the Lincolns were in the uh, White House. And uh, it was just absolutely devastated President Lincoln um, and, and his wife. And he later remarked about something that the pastor said at his son's funeral. And what the pastor said was this. What we need in the hour of trial and what we should seek by earnest prayer is confidence in him who sees the end from the beginning and does all things well. That we need confidence in him who sees the end from the, from the beginning and does all things well. Because you and I, we experience events happening consecutively one after the other, right? That's the only way that we see the world. That's how we live in the world. Like RUF happens before cookout, I guess, or whatever you're going to do after this. And, uh, but God does not attend to the world that way. You ever thought about that? Like The fact that things happen one after the other is just part of the created order, and God is not part of the created order. For God, history is a, is a painting, right? It's all things, in a sense, happening at once. And for us, uh, patience is merely admitting that. That we can't see the end from the beginning, but God can and he always does. And so patience really is just humility in real time. right? It's having the humility to go, I'm not in the place of God. The humility to admit that you don't see the end from the beginning and to ask for confidence. Patience is really, at the end of the day, the belief that God is able to intend good things even when we intend evil. Um, Does that make the pain any less? No. Does it make the oppression any less? No. Does it make the discomfort any, any less? No. But it gives it a purpose. Jesus himself, um, God incarnate, he pled with the Father to change his mind. Did you know that? If you read right before Jesus, the night before Jesus goes to the cross, he's in a garden. He tries to get his disciples to stay up with him and pray with him, and they keep falling asleep. And he goes to God, and he weeps bitterly. And he says to the Father, if there's any way that you can take this cup from me, I do not want to drink it. If there's any way, will you change it? Yet, in real time, he has the humility... um, to trust that whatever people intend for evil against him, God can and does intend for good. And that didn't make the pain any less real for Jesus. I mean, he sweat, literally sweat drops of blood as he pled with God. And in the end, he said, not my will be done, but yours, Father. Because um, he had the humility to, to admit and trust God's plan for him. And God did have good intentions. Uh, it, it's funny, just like this passage, that, that to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as Christ went to the cross to die. Not just that people would be left alive, that, but people actually would be brought back from the dead. That was God's intentions, and Jesus submitted himself to that. And through the years of rejection and pain and prison that Joseph experienced, God was at work to change the question in his heart 
uh, which I heard so powerfully from Robert's testimony, to change the question from, why, God, are these things happening to me? But, God, what do you want me to do where I find myself? That was what happened in Joseph over all these years of pain and discomfort. Um, What will you have me to do where I am? Because, listen, God often uses rejection, pain, discomfort, and failure to move you from something, um, to move you from the doing the thing you want to do to something that you never would have even considered before. I mean, think about Joseph. He would have died with his brothers. If you think about that, there's a fam- There's nowhere for them to get food. Egypt would have had no idea. People would have died all through Egypt, and his brothers would have had nowhere to go. But since they rejected him, um, uh, he was put into a place of something he never would have considered. And my question for you is. Are you asking God, why are these things happening to me? Or are you asking God, what, will you, what do you have for me to do where I am right now? Um, my wife uh, is, has very poor vision. Today she went, thank you again, Emma Spry, for watching my kids and my wife to go to her vision appointment. Um, she has those crazy eyes now, like the blown out eyes, you know. Um, and uh, my wife didn't have glasses until third grade, but she has really bad vision. And uh, she, she always is fond of telling the story about when she first got her glasses in third grade, driving home from the, from the doctor's appointment, and she realized that all those poles along the road are actually connected by these, wi- these weird wires that go between each one, right? That they look like just sort of standalone objects, but in fact they are connected with a common thread that brings light and warmth and energy to people. And having patience by faith means that we don't necessarily understand why God is doing things or why he allows things, but we know that there's a connection to them. And that connection is that he is good and that he knows all things from the end. So that's how we wait for God, um, how we cultivate patience with God. But more quickly, um, what do we do with the fact that we're impatient with other people? Um, when, when you're seeking confidence in God, it's going to have an effect on how you have patience with other people. Um, maybe the most amazing part of the story for me of Joseph is that he doesn't in any way try to pay his brothers back. Like, you understand that Joseph doesn't get justice here. Like, he for, like when you forgive, like if you, if you break my TV, I can forgive you, but I still have to pay for the TV, right? Or I can make you pay for the TV, and there's no forgiveness, or I forgive you, and I have to absorb the cost of the TV. Joseph absorbs the cost of their evil intentions against him by forgiving them. There's no justice. But in, in chapter 45, he says, look, don't be distressed with yourselves. Like, please don't let this weigh on you. And then in our passage here, look at the, the last verse. He says, so do not fear. I will provide for you and your little ones. Thus he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. Like he, could have been, he could have done good to them and not been kind to them. Yet he shows the opposite of patience is resentment. Um, and he has no sign of, of resentment toward his brothers. He's kind to them in their failure. Um, and that is where we begin to get really impatient with other people is when they have shortcomings and they're immature and they have failures. Because then we use it as an opportunity to get our own justice against them. Jesus not only submitted himself to the Father, but then when he actually goes to the cross and he's there naked, it's not, it's not like when you see and there's like a little cloth. I mean, he's naked, exposed to everyone and suffering. There are soldiers at his feet 
that are like gambling for his clothes. And he looks across all these people here that are intending evil against them. And he says to his father, Father, forgive them because they have no idea what they're doing. They have no idea. Like they, they have no, they do not know what they are doing. But the pain is real. His forgiveness to them does not diminish his own pain. But it makes it beautiful. Because he didn't lash out against them. He could have come down from the cross. He didn't lash out against them at all. Uh, In his pain, he gave them forgiveness. Um, And if we're honest, and you've taken a moment before God to sort of search your heart, um, it wasn't really the soldiers that put Jesus on the cross in the first place. Uh, It was the fact that we are impatient with God and think that his plan just frankly sucks. And it shouldn't be like this. And we're angry and resentful to him. And we're disgusted with his plan. And yet in the face of that, Jesus says to to his father, Father, forgive them. They have no idea what they're doing. He gives us grace. You might hear that word get tossed around, Arya. The word grace just means that it's something that you didn't earn. Okay? It means that Jesus gave them something that they didn't earn. I went to the basketball game with my wife on Monday to watch my, my Georgia Southern Eagles get beat by Appalachian State. And if there's one thing I know about App State sports fans, it's that nobody really cares um, unless they win against your team. Because Sarah Revis watched none of that game. Where are you? Okay. She, watched, she was like five rows in front of me. She watched literally none of the game. And as, as soon as the horn went off, she, she texted me and said, how about that? Um, which is a very App State thing to do. But since Appalachian scored 75 points or more, everyone at the game got a free Bojangles gift card. It was awesome. Uh, and they said, it's bow time. It was great, which is a very North Carolina experience. Um, but the reality is that nobody sitting in, in convocation in a seat contributed to those 75 points. Right? Like, nobody like, came in and hit a couple of free throws to like, bring the score up. But we all benefited from something we did not earn. Right? In that moment, App State basketball gave grace to the people that were in the room. And Joseph knew that God's patience to him, he knew that God was patient with him. That he was resentful towards God and God had given him good. And that kept him from being distracted by resentment. In light of God's kindness, he gave his brothers grace. And listen... It's giving other people grace that allows them to grow. Um, The prefrontal cortex of men does not finish developing until our mid to late 20s. Okay? The prefrontal cortex is the part of your brain that they call the CEO of your brain. Okay? It's the one that says, like, don't do stupid things. Okay? Um, For women, the prefrontal cortex finishes developing by the time you're done with college, about 21, 22. Okay? So I married my wife, I was like 24, 23, 24, she was around the same age. And for years, years, when I did something stupid, she would say, it's cool. Your brain isn't finished developing yet. (laughs) Um, Which sounds condescending, because it is condescending. Um, But underneath that condescension... She was patient with me because she realized that I really could not understand emotionally what was going on with her. Like, honestly. And hopefully this is like a sanity maker for the women in, in the room here. Um, and her patient grace gave me room literally to grow and to, and to mature. 
And this was how Joseph's brothers failed him. Because they could not remain patient when he was immature and arrogant. And they took matters into their own hand to get, to get rid of him. Um, and look, very few people in college, I'm just going to put myself out there, um, I've been there, and I've done way stupider stuff than most of you guys do, and very few people in college have the maturity to go along with your gifts. Like, you just aren't there yet. Like, you're 19, 20, 21 years old. Especially those of you that are really gifted. You do not have the maturity necessary to handle those gifts. And my question for you is, are you giving the people in your life room to grow? Um, Are you giving your friends room to grow? Are you giving your parents the opportunity to grow and change? Or do you believe that they're always going to be the same forever and it doesn't matter? The gift of a patient friend is very, very rare. Like, exceedingly rare. Because what happens most of the time is that um, we get annoyed and we just sort of stop texting and just gradually phase you out of my life because you make me uncomfortable. We roll our eyes with the eye-rolling emoji, which is now a thing. So we can text our other friend off the group text and roll eyes with each other. Um, But one, one of the most radical actions of love that you could do is giving room and patience for an immature friend to grow. Um, and, and lastly, we're impatient with ourselves, and this will be short. Simon Sinek, who's an author and a speaker, he points out the fact that, I mean, you guys know that, like, your entire life, if, basically, if you wanted something, you could get it immediately. Like, you want to watch a movie, you watch it. You want to order, like, shop, you order on Amazon, it's here the next day. Right, you binge watch. You don't have to wait for the next like episode to come on TV. You can just wait till it comes out and binge it all. Um, you don't even have to like awkwardly figure out how to like approach the opposite sex. Like you can just swipe right, you know, and like you're you're done. You're um, and you can get anything you want instantaneously, except for two things: job satisfaction and meaningful relationships. Um, that's Simon Sinek, not me. Um, meaningful relationships take time. Um, and Joseph never would have been able to say what he said to his brothers without years of seeing God be patient to him. Um, and my question, I guess, for you is like, are you okay with the fact that you're 19 years old? Or you're 22 years old? Or you're 32 years old until Friday? Um, <clears throat> are you able to thank God that he has you where you are right now? Derek has been doing a small group, and, and the, the, the motto of it is Ephesians 2.10, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that you should walk in them. Like, you think you should have arrived by now, and the rest of us that are not in college think that's hilarious, um, that you think that, like, that you're beating yourself up, that you haven't arrived by now. Um, but look, this is what's going to happen. If you trust Jesus by grace slowly and surely, you will find yourself to be growing more and more impatient. You will think that you eventually are the most impatient person that ever lived. And this funny thing is going to happen, which is nobody else is going to see you that way. People are going to say, this person is extremely patient. Because the way the gospel, the good news of Jesus works, is that the more you go, I see my impatience and I need Jesus. I need this undeserved gift. The more, in fact, God supplies that thing for you. Um... You have to hear Jesus say, 
Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And look, none of the, almost none of the ways that God's at, I talk to you guys and you go, let me tell you about the ways that God's working in my life. And like, you're almost always wrong. <laughs> because almost none of the ways that God is at work in your life are obvious to you. Or, or are they obvious to me? Because it's fruit. This is an agriculture reference, you know? Like, it takes a long time. And I just want to, like, for people that are radically impatient with yourselves for having not arrived yet, I just want to remind you that the process is supposed to take time. Like, you're not supposed to have arrived yet. And along the way, God is giving grace to you. And He's at work. So be patient with yourself because you haven't arrived yet. Be patient with other people because that's how we give them space to grow. And be patient with God because he sees the end from the beginning and he does all things well. May he give us grace to do that. Let's pray. Father, thank you that you are at work in us, that you're kind to us, that um, a little seed goes into the ground of our heart and we have literally no idea what's going on. Yet through it, you're at work. So Lord, would you teach us to be patient, to be able to go a long way without lashing out and taking control? Um, We can only do that by your spirit. And we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.